We're here. We have another episode. We're finishing up our work suck season. We're talking about Michael Clayton. Um, viewers' choice. People chose this. The the the, the patron spoke, and uh, it's a good it's a good ending because we're going to essentially talk about how work kills. Um, the season was a bummer, man. <laughs> well, it's about how work sucks, Duff. I, know, I mean, I'm I'm zero <laughs> percent surprised, but it's been cathartic, though. Yeah, yeah. and we've had to, we've had uh, so we're going to summarize the movie. Uh, if you don't remember Michael Clayton, uh, or if you haven't seen it, you should. Uh, we'll talk about obviously people in the movie, the just you know, work kills, especially when you put it first in your life. And then you know, this season has been a bummer, Duff. But we've had, uh, I think the listeners have enjoyed our work sucks stories, so we'll have more of those. Work sucks. Shh. I know. <laughs> Listeners, we're back. Season 14 of a free podcast. I'm your co-host, Rob, and joined, as always, by my naked friends in Milwaukee, Joe and Duff. Only uh, one of you's yeah, in Milwaukee. I, I, I'm ready to blow the roof off of this whole deal. <laughs> <laughs> Duff's our naked friend in Minneapolis. I, I am bathed in afterbirth. <laughs> uh so yeah, we're talking about Michael Clayton, which uh, you know, I my the thing I want to like say first about this movie, and I know this is like a uh, kind of a tired thing to do, I guess in general, um, but like this this movie is fifteen years old. Doesn't that seem insane? It's a movie that I had that I saw in the theater and had completely forgotten about, and just recently I feel like the Michael Clayton stands have come out. I don't know if the ringer did something about it or not, but like, uh, like every, I'll every once in a while, like I'll just see people I follow start tweeting about some movie. I'm like, I don't remember that. It's just like the time between this movie, us now in this movie is the same as the time between Michael Clayton and reservoir dogs, which mm. can't like seems impossible. I, but I, I just think that that's the way it, is when you age that just everything that came out starting when you were like early to mid twenties to the present is all the same year to you. Sure. Adult year. Yeah. <laughs> part that of, time I was part of it is adult. at this point I've kind of divided Hollywood into pre and post superhero. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this is like, Decidedly, I, mean, yeah. I mean, and when I say that, I mean like Marvel, like right. obviously there, but like, this is like pre Iron Man. So, like, it, it seems like a million years ago. Also, and I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but it's um, the movie doesn't age except for the fact that uh, this movie came out right when iPhones were coming out. So, like, I guess part of me is, like, there's no smartphones, and that's, like, a weird thing in this movie. Like, the first time someone brought out their little flip phone, I was like, oh, boy, this is, like, yeah, I mean, mid-2000s. I, I, I know what you're saying. It's more that's more just like a personal thing like, oh, we're getting old. It's, you know, it's the same thing as when you watch an old movie and someone dial, "Hello operator, give me Klondike whatever" or something. Right. Like that. Well, I guess my, well, my point is is like everything about this movie seems so contemporary except for when they're on their phones. That is that is true. Like the I would say overall this movie ages spectacularly. Yeah, right. I actually think that it's like the last 
maybe yeah this might be like the last movie where like cell phones could be used in a compelling way because they still had that satisfied like need to physically manipulate them to like flip Mm -hmm. them open like it was still a physical thing instead of a thing that you just stare and tap at and i'm not the first to make this point but um i wish i could remember who did but uh like all the great directors now only make movies set before cell phones existed have you noticed that I have not actually. But if you think about like all of the most of the great American directors that are still working, like they almost all just make period pieces now. Is it because they're too old? Is it because they're too old to understand understand smartphones? Well, I just think it's because like to film film contemporary life with any sense of realism, like half your movie is just going to be somebody like slouched in a chair, staring at a glowing (laughs) screen, right? (laughs) Some guy scrolling through Reddit. Like like no end. no one talks to each other anymore. Uh, we all just text each other. Uh, like the only time, right the now, only time, like on our we, computers and microphones, staring at giant screens. Literally, the only time, <laughs> like Rob and I, only communicate verbally, uh, either with a glowing screen, either uh, of the television when we're playing Xbox, or the this computer monitor when we're yeah. podcasting, or texting on our phone. If someone under fifty calls you you're like oh my god what happened who died? yeah someone died yeah, yeah. I, I mean so it just I, I thought that was an interesting point but it it i it, i can't think of an exception to it but there's anyways, al- there's it. also the issue of uh apple will only let you use phones if the good guy uses them which ryan johnson kind of blew the lid on that i mean it was not a, a big secret but oh i didn't I know sm- that yeah if you if you pay attention bad guys can't use iphones apple won't allow it so oh, if you bad, bad guys can only uh, make and design iPhones. <laughs> yeah. So if you're ever watching a movie and you see someone with an iPhone, uh, they're they're the good guy. Huh. Wow. That's in, that's might as well turn the podcast off now. I think that's the most interesting thing that anyone's going to find out. I did not know that. I think I feel like Ryan Johnson like did a whole thing about that after Knives Out. There was something okay. about. Does Knives Out have cell phone usage? It does, doesn't it? That's yeah, a good it check. does. That would be like maybe one exception. I, I know you're not putting him on that level necessarily, Joe, but um, yeah. that's a good filmmaker who makes interesting things and there's phones in them. Uh, even, even even our Lord and Savior, James Cameron, you know, he created a whole world. <laughs> so he didn't have to deal with cell phones. Well, oh, the, they they can't survive the pressure of going into the Mariana Trench or wherever he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Michael Clayton, we should probably talk about what happens in this movie. People may want to know. Uh, Two thousand seven, uh, George Clooney. Uh, the most, I'm not going to say the most interesting thing. But one of the interesting things about this movie, in my mind, is it's a a movie about attorneys, and there's no courtroom. Thank this God. is all back door this is all like you know uh how the sausage is made attorney which is like what attorneys spend most of yeah time this doing. which is realistic because 95 percent of attorneys or lawyers are never in a courtroom right like they're usually just working out of a you know they're <laughs> kind of like uh better call Saul types in a shopping mall or something right and, and i don't know how much like detail to go through on this on the synopsis here so i'm gonna probably keep it pretty vague but uh, Michael Clayton is played by uh, by George Clooney, and he is a a fixer for a law firm. So essentially, when uh, a high priced client has something go on, something goes wrong, 
goes out, you know, Michael gets a phone call and he goes in to think of him like a, a more professional wolf from uh, yeah. Pulp Fiction. Um, and so there's a cold open, a great cold open that kind of sets the stage for everything. Um, and uh, and what we learn is uh, the law firm he works for has um, Arthur Edens, who's played by Tom Wilkinson, who's one of those like all time guys, right? Like anytime Tom Wilkinson's in a movie, you're like, oh, this is gonna be great. Tom, yeah, he's the best. He's always bringing it. Uh, and he is in the he's having you know in this season there's been a lot of uh, mental health crisis, mental health episodes people have been having. Yeah, because uh, work drives you crazy. <laughs> Arthur's in one. He uh, is in Milwaukee. And he's in the middle of a deposition, and about the, there's this like a huge class action lawsuit against an agricultural company called Unorth. That uh, shocking guys may or may not have, uh, well not not may not have may did uh, essentially their products gave people cancer, and um, they die. People died, and uh, he just goes insane in this in this deposition and just takes off all his clothes. And uh, that obviously becomes an issue, so they they call in uh, they call in Michael Clayton to kind of figure out what it is. And so that that that's sort of like our second main character. Our third character that we sort of see is uh, Karen Crowder, who's played by Tilda Swinton, who is the uh, head counsel at uh, at this agricultural firm. So that sort of sets everything in happening. Essentially. God, I don't even know how to like wrap this all up. Essentially, at the beginning, Michael Clayton is is he's part of the bad guys, right? I mean, he's a fixer. He's this huge law firm. He's um, you know, he's a bad guy. I don't know what else to say. I think the the Monsanto stand-in uh, kills Tom Wilkinson, and then yeah, and then uh, Michael Clayton absolutely brutal scene. One yeah, great scene, great, great scene, scene because it's not you know normally in movies the it's telegraphed from a mile away right. when there's going to be a kill scene. And this just opens door. Hope no music, no fast cuts. Just he's ethered down for the count. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing I'm forgetting. She, so the, the Tillswin character hires essentially two hitmen to follow and bug Arthur and then eventually kill him and make it look like he killed himself, which we talk about the season being depressing. Well, this is the second, incredible murder scene in the season that we've talked about along yeah. with uh, blue collar both incredibly sad but very well done sequences um so michael essentially by the end decides to do the right thing and um and he finds out all the stuff from arthur that arthur had left around that this company was bad did kill it did cover up these people cover up the 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 murder well, murder prize in the right word. They, ki- they killed is. his friend and colleague. Yeah. They killed they, well, that murder, but also like he. That... Also, they killed uh, almost five hundred people. Yeah, with their weed killer, uh, and uh, he eventually um, confronts Tilda Swinton, and with the help of the police, gets her on on uh, on tape, on audio, on uh, his phone. All all time own. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so good. And and then uh, you know she's arrested. The CEO of uh, U North is arrested, and Michael gets into the cab, and off he goes. Which I also think is great because it's a true. In my mind, it's like a true. You know, there's a lot of like finding, like doing the right thing, but like Michael has to give up. Almost, I mean, what happens to him now? Like he did the right thing, but like it there's is, a real sacrifice to what he just did personally because like his career is done. It's a great ending 
and very uh, echoes of The Graduate because you have this climactic scene. Oh, yeah. And in, in, you know, in a normal Hollywood movie, you would have like the music swell and cut to credits. And it's just, I mean, we've left out a lot of stuff, but, uh, you know, but like uh, Michael, he, he says at one point, he's like, I'm 45 years old and I have nothing. Mm -hmm. And now, and now he's just sitting in this cab left with that because he, you know he can't go back to work he's he's screwed over his firm because he's exposed the firm's clients so like he's just he's nothing now like in in the eyes of the like you know he's he's the hero of the story but because work sucks he has nothing well i mean that that's yeah. and that's the theme of the, that's the theme of this episode right on this movie is like yeah his whole life was defined by the work he did what was he he was a fixer that's 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 no, that's how you would define him first. You would you would use the job title of what he did. He has a kid, but he's obviously you know that uh, uh, you know his his ex wife is not his top on. priority. Not his top priority. Um, I will I will say though, it, compared to some of the bad dads we've seen, I, I right. do think he's trying. Yeah, no, I didn't mean like like it was in a, like a malicious sense, but but clearly like. He he's always put work first. His his choice of yeah. career does not lend itself to being a good parent. Yeah, no, and 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 you see that right. The only relation, I mean, I guess there's it's the only relationships we've seen him have is with his kid a little bit, um, mm-hmm. with Tom Wilkinson's character. Well, he's dead now. He got killed. Um, with Sidney Pollock's character, who uh, I feel like. I mean that's it for all intents that that's his boss. I mean uh, the only re- boss. the only yeah. relationships he has are work relationships. Yes. Be- yeah, yes. because it, when he tried to escape from it and go into business with his brother, it it failed. Right. And, so and now even he that- has now his real family it's strained and his father figure Cindy Pollock uh like obviously that's over. Yeah. And Ta- okay. Tom Wilkinson was probably another father another mentor and father and- figure. Yeah, and I think it gone. says something that the only way Michael Clayton knew how to change himself is by changing his career. Like yeah. by just delving into another work thing. Well, because just a in, different work thing. Because in America, you know, so much of your identity is what you do for a living. And he thought any and he thought his out was going to be starting this bar with his dirtbag brother. And everything in this movie almost everyone is is defined by what they do. His 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 brother is a detective. His, uh, his, um, you know, everything, everyone in this movie is like, it's, they're defined entirely by their work. And you see that in the, the beginning when Tilda Swinton is prepping for an interview. Yes, that's what and, I meant to mention. And yep. she's, you know, she's trying to come up with, uh, an answer to, she knows she's going to be asked, like, how do you balance work and, yeah. you know your personal life and she has no personal life so she's tr- you know she's floundering and trying to come up with all these corny business-esque answers like well when you love what you do it's not right. work and things like that and it's fascinating because if this the way this movie you know if this you know the world that exists in this movie before what we see let's say you were to go back five years earlier in the lives of our three main characters there's no doubt that George Clooney's character and Tom Wilkinson's character are absolute villains, and I honestly think that we'd look at Tilda Swinton's character as like this like 
professional woman in this ag like i'm assuming it seems like male dominated agricultural field would seem more heroic but like as time goes by and as like she just becomes all she knows is all she knows is how to work there and would how to win. Ab- there would absolutely be a 60 minutes piece about tilda swinton and about oh she's breaking into the boys club or something absolutely yeah and, and and deserved i would say at that point i mean if 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 she hadn't known about all those murders, yes. Well, yes, that's what I'm. I'm, I'm like trying to like assume like she doesn't know that okay, yet. Yeah, um, yeah. That she's just like working up because like, and I well, think would that, she even if she knew it, would she care? <laughs> yeah. No, probably not because everything. I mean, that's the whole thing, right? I mean, and as Duff said, that opening scene of her, it's just she. It's just you know the way she even even the way she's good in these big moments is by working at it, right? Like she rehearses everything, she practices it. Like everything is like all. And we see nothing about her life outside of, like, her work and, like, being on an exercise bike and taking a call. Well, like, you know what I mean? She doesn't – there's no world in her life outside of her work. That's all it is. And and it's about, like, a search for feeling. And I, I think Duff's comparison to um, The Graduate is, is good because – the Michael Clayne character is is searching for meaning and 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 searching for something that he can feel like 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 at, like action that can drive genuine emotion and accomplishment and and mean, meaning right and I think that that I, I hadn't thought of that last scene this way until you made that comparison but whereas like the graduate kind of has these two young people that you know, sort of behave emotionally and make this impulsive decision to run away together. And then there's this long scene where you could see it dawning on them that they might've made a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. I think he gets into this car and he thinks that owning Tilda Swinton's character is, is going to be this fi- finally this moment where his actions create meaning. But I think like we, we, we live in America and we know how this works. Like she's going to get in trouble but nothing is going to change. Nothing meaningful is going to change. So even though he, he gets this triumphant moment, I, I wonder if that the way that that closing credits are edited is, is meant to give it us to compliment, uh, uh, contemplate that as well. That like, if this happened in real life, like she would probably go to jail, probably not for as long as she should. And, right. but the company wouldn't suffer in any way. The victims of, of the company's products, there'd be no, I don't know that anything meaningful would happen with that. Like the rich and powerful don't actually get in trouble in this country. And if anyone would know that it'd be the guy whose job it was to keep them from getting in trouble for his whole life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like the one thing that, yeah, you're right. I mean, the one thing that is different is like, she is like, we do see her, you know, red handed and like caught and like arrested, which is more than most people in that position even get. Like, yeah, but it she, doesn't usually get that bad. But you're right. Sure, she will. But she's not even at the top of her company. You know, no. like it's just some like she's the underling. head of legal counsel, isn't she? Yeah, or it's that other like Trumpian like that. dude that's like the one who's like, who is this guy? Stop that guy! Like that. That's <laughs> yeah. the CEO. Yeah, um, like that guy's not gonna get in trouble. Yeah, uh, no, he's, I mean, he's going to throw her under the bus for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. On legal counsel. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, she'll get thrown under the bus. Which, I mean, listen, she told two hitmen to kill a guy, so she should be thrown under the bus. Like, oh, yeah, that. don't get me wrong. Like, like yeah. there, I'm, not gonna, I'm not saying that, like, the ending of this film doesn't have some genuine justice in it, but it, it's not, it's, it's not, like... It's very good it's at a, showing that 
doing the right thing doesn't get you what it should. No, I mean, that's, yeah. and that's I think from Michael Clayton's standpoint, like what happens to him now? His law firm yeah. is going to fire he, him in or go, go under. He can't go work anywhere. He like I'm sure. How, how is he so, going to explain what his job was in a job interview? So what were you doing uh, for these 20 years at this other firm? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. can't be a, you can't be a fixer for another firm when you literally like <laughs> buried you one, the firm you were When you, you had one job, for. dude, and you know you kind of triumphantly you know went against the did a 180. You right. uh, can't do that. Uh, Hey, on a lighter note, uh, Rob, uh, what were the name? What was the name of the hitman that Tilda called? Do you remember? Um, what was? Listen, I this movie is another example. You see two blonde men doing anything. Okay, don't trust uh, them. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like you know, Die Hard, Big Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. But uh, uh, that's an it, interesting rule. I've never thought of that it, before. It was uh, she called up Vern. Vern, oh, hey, Vern. I think this is the often mentioned, never seen Vern from Ernest movies. Interesting. This is part of the Ernest universe. Oh, no. (laughs) Hey, Vern, Vern, I got in some trouble. You know what I mean? Oh, so, like, so he's always kind of. Hey, Vern, I hit a kid with my car. Vern's a guy that's calm under pressure, and Mm -hmm. he can help Ernest get out of these hijinks. Mm hmm. I mean, if you could do murders and not get caught, well, actually, I, if we think back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, you could do murders all the time in this country and not get caught. Uh, but uh, yeah, interesting. I but like I, that. Uh, I, I t- believe it's true. Tilda calls up. She's like, "Hello, is this Vern?" And then he asks for the, you know, the. the oh key. yeah, this is Vern. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if Michael Clayton was played by Ernest? Stop it. He was probably he was dead already, wasn't he? Do I look like I'm negotiating? Know what I mean? Uh, I don't. I don't. Uh, I think he was. Yeah, I think he was. I think he had already passed. So it sounds like we all enjoy this movie. Oh yeah, it's great. It's like I'd say it's it's a perfect movie. I would say it's a. I mean, it is. It's a great screenplay. The stuff with his kid doesn't always land for me. Yeah, that's right. I. I uh, but yeah, it's a it's a hell it's a hell of a picture. But, but here's the thing, like the kid, the stuff with the son, like it's a little corny, but because like the, one of the pivotal scenes where he's t- like the son is talking about a story is with Tom Wilkinson. It doesn't matter that the script is bad because Tom Wilkinson is performing. Yeah. Right. And and he just he he care he levels it up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I like this movie a lot, too. Like I I'm 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 not like, you know, you said it's perfect. So then you put us in a nitpick mode. But yeah, uh, generally the like kid and the tree and the three horses and the whole thing mm-hmm. I, I mean I, th- I think from you know I don't think there's really any fat to trim nope. I think it's a great screenplay yeah it's just yeah I, I'd forgotten about this movie and it's great it's Thoroughly also recommend. you know and I feel like back to like old man talking uh, this is this this movie these movies they're, they don't exist anymore really something like this this is two hours long it's a tight two hours. The only, no, you know, it didn't necessarily do very well at the box office, uh, even though it was nominated it was for some. Just shy of, you know, I th- did okay. I think it was like a twenty million dollar budget, just shy of a hundred million. Uh, but I mean, by all. Oh, accounts, I guess you're I, right. You're right. I was I was just looking at the calendar year, but you're right. It did. By all accounts, it was uh, pretty successful. Yeah, you're right. For the resources thrown at it, I mean, arguably George Clooney one of the biggest stars in the world at the time 
Mm-hmm. He it's elevated a lot too. of movies like this. Yeah. With his star power, yeah. for sure. Um, but this is a movie now that doesn't exist because apparently audiences don't have the... I don't know, the attention span for it. On the I, other hand... Uh, so much has changed in 15 right. years. But yet, whatever. if you were to stretch this movie out into 10 episodes, people would lose their mind about it on HBO. Yeah. Lose it and about how true. good it is. Yeah. I, they would, it, would, they would, it would just be like, oh, did you see Michael, you see Michael Clayton? <laughs> but, but yeah, but that's the thing is, like, this works better as a two-hour story. Oh yeah, and, and like if and yeah, Both this kind of do. thing would be this kind of thing would be prestige TV now. It would be you know yeah, like you said, eight or six, eight or ten one hour episodes, and it would just have so many more stupid twists and turns in it that there'd be really... a lot more stuff with this kid. I guess the first episode would just be the like family. first fifteen minutes, like uh, that the cold open. That would be the first episode, so it would yeah, it could end and people would be like, oh my god. There's There'd be explosion. a lot of scenes with him arguing with his addict brother too, and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, it, it. Yeah, as Duff said, things have changed so much. Like this is this. In fact, the movie, this movie's DNA feels closer to like in the seventies. This is about the government, right? This is someone with like disillusionment about the government. It's definitely a paranoid thriller. Yeah, you're just you're just substituting a big corporation for the government. And in the '80s, it's probably probably a woman-centered picture. I feel like. And yeah, then maybe. and then now you have '90s and like aughts. You have like corporate, and now like these just don't exist. <laughs> We're just like we don't. Let's not worry about this anymore. It's a weird like. Uh, it's also a weird R rating for this movie. I feel like. Because yeah, that I, I guess I didn't think about that. Uh, you don't. There's no nudity. I guess there's some swearing, uh, but and there's only really one kind of violent scene with Tom Wilkinson's death, and even that is, yeah, that's. I mean, I the the most R rating is when Tom Wilkinson is talking about the brothel sequence with the the two <laughs> which is hilarious. Yeah, two, so like I can Lithuan- that. two Lithuanian redheads sucking my cock. But there's no violence or gore, really. No, it is ridiculous. This is well. There's our, violence, I guess, na- in that they. Well, I, no, I, 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 I think the I, I think the Tom Wilkinson murder scene would yeah. traumatize me more as a ten year old than like someone you know getting stabbed or shot or something like that because what it's more terrifying because like you come out of it thinking like man it's that easy to do it and get out clean and get away with it. I mean, it's R because. There's too many f words. You only get one in a PG-13 yeah, movie. Yeah, that's to me. To me, it's honestly ridiculous because it, there's yeah. so many PG-13s where just fields of people get mowed down. And as long, <laughs> and, as long and as long as you don't show blood and you don't say an f bomb, you get that PG-13. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, right. it is. It this is like this. I agree. This could be a PG-13 movie, and it seems like that would make more sense. Is there anything we talked about? So Sidney Pollock, uh, Sidney Pollock elevates every movie he's in, and every movie he is in, he should be the head of a law firm in New York, which I think he is in almost every movie. Listen, he's been old forever. I mean, right. he's 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 gone now, but he's he was always an old man. Yeah, Eyes Wide Shut and and like this movie, like are like both great examples of just him and his wheelhouse of like this like surface level like kind of polite, but there's an absolute demon lurking inside of him. 
to right. an absolute And that's why he's like person. a perfect character for it because he he does have like a genuine uh like he is a guy that if you met at a party, he would start talking to you and you would against your better judgment be like I I trust him. He's a good guy. Like he's like nice Satan. Guy. He's safe. <laughs> like <laughs> like old like old scratch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Yep. Yep. And he's in uh uh, weird, did he, it, he directed Three Doors of the Condor, which this movie kind of reminds me of in some ways. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. He's kind of equally known for things he directed and things he starred in. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, we have Tilda Swinton, who, uh, speaking of someone who's like, I swear, has been the same age forever. I feel like she's been 35 her whole career. She is ageless and i mean that in a way like she is just kind of like uh, water or air she is she's an Swin- element yeah she is there are <laughs> certain Swin pe- is my favorite element there are certain people like her and bjork where like these aren't real people like, <laughs> I, I i really think tilda swinton is one of if not the greatest performers working today i, I, mean, I think I've, she's an absolutely incredible actor i i, I would not disagree i am i am uh, simultaneously drawn to and afraid of her. Yeah, like, well, that's the thing. Like, all she she can be anything. Yeah, <laughs> human or not. Like, yeah, just, yeah, just a utterly unique screen present. Like, there's been no one like her. I I don't really think she gets. I don't know. I don't want to go like ringer mode, but like, really underrated and underappreciated. It's because everything she does is so odd. And I think, to your point, I think the reason she doesn't get maybe her do is because she doesn't do the whole like talk show circuit thing. Like she's, she's not a, a fame whore. Like a lot of people. Is it also cause she's British? Do you think that's part of it? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't know, but yeah, she's, she's, she's right. She won an Oscar for this movie. Right? I mean, it didn't seem to stop Hugh Grant. I don't know. Like, yeah. I, I don't, do you that's think that's true. a thing where like people that aren't American, like can't get as famous? I don't know. I feel like they don't play the game as much. That the game Duff oh, was talking that's, about. That's Maybe. a good point. I wonder about that. Uh, now, well, I wish to... I wish we could have convinced Jeremy Corden to take that route. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Hugh Grant. I mean, the only thing that stopped him was that prostitute, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then Paddington. Saved I, he he recovered. Okay. Yeah, he's that. a dude, so he can bounce. He's back a what? He's that. a white dude. He did okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah no, she's great. Um, performance wise this is a movie where everyone is just like even the like hey it's like there seems to be a lot of like that guys in this too we're like oh that guy i don't uh like the the um the detective who's also in dexter is in this movie for a little bit the one of the guys who works at the firm uh the only other thing i've seen him on is roseanne okay (laughs) (laughs) there's just a bunch of people like hey i I think he played i think he played jackie's husband for a while and i'm like I thought I was like, oh, I thought he died. <laughs> yeah, no, everyone, everyone. This is just a very professional adult movie with professional, like everything is just like well done, right? It's directed well, the script is great, the performances are great. You know, it's just a, a wonderful way to spend two hours. We love to see it. Yeah. yeah, do more of these, world, please. We'll talk about them fifteen years later. Um, have, we, have we ever gone on the record about how we feel about George Clooney? I mean, what, what is there any like people who don't like George Clooney? Oh, I think there's a lot of people who don't. Really? Why? 
just because I think it's because uh, he's not like he doesn't have a ton of range. Um, I'm just I'm just saying like I I feel like there's a lot of people who kind of like to drag on George Clooney, but I mean I, I'm not one of them. I think he's you know he's he's a he's an old school movie star. Yeah, and he can he can be really really funny which I think people underrate when they're talking about range. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, especially with the Coen brothers, like genuinely great comedic performances. I think like he, I, he is so good at playing an absolute moron. Yeah. And also like, um, he directed a few movies, right? Yeah. Well, he, yeah, he did, uh, good night uh, and good luck. Yeah. And that movie's good. Uh, yeah. The problem yeah, is I've... like, he's gone into like stream mode so yeah. like well he, now these movies he directs go to netflix and like no no one everyone like everything on that almost everything on that platform everyone forgets like he made that what space move like i don't know yeah oh that's like, right yeah something yeah. where he's in the snow a lot i don't know no one <laughs> yeah so yeah midnight sky um yeah trying to contact aliens or something i don't know who you know Let's whatever that. um so what do we else want to talk about here work sucks and 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 to me i find this depressing in general with people you know that that i you know that you know that we know but also just like you know work first man that's all that matters is is get get, do your do your do your job and put as many hours as you can into it so you can win gotta win he's gotta win as the fixer the law firm has to win uh wilkinson's character has to win the case uh the uh the council uh tilda swinton she's she needs to win you just gotta in the way you win is you just keep putting more and more hours in it's all about power and money and that's all that matters but this kind of is a movie about two characters who like kind of show the end result of this like you you either your life is completely empty and devoid of meaning and you're you know 50 years old and you have nothing Mm mm-hmm and you kind of get in that, uh, you know, once in a lifetime talking head song moment, yeah. or you absolutely snap, like Tom Wilkinson's character, and you go nuts and try to reverse like decades and decades of emptiness and evil in this sort of misguided attempt to fix everything. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I don't really think either of those approaches sounds very fun to me. It even hints. It even hints in the movie the Wilkinson character who's like daughter like oh she's you know like he has no relationship with her anymore yeah like it's also I one of the little touches I loved is how like no one knows where she is like ah oh, she's in like Europe or India or something yeah like, no one knows I mean probably because she was like this dad I never saw this guy anyways who cares yeah yeah I mean they've said he's like he worked 30,000 hours on this Monsanto case yeah that's that's how it happens right he he thinks about when he's at that brothel and he's he's doing the math of how many hours he's they've spent and he spent on this and it just broke his brain just broke his brain yeah he couldn't concentrate in those two redheads from lithuania <laughs> and then and then the other end the other person i think we need to talk about with this is the tilda swin character which yeah you know she's she is she's essentially what michael clayton was when we uh you know a year earlier in the movie, right? Uh, I'd say probably even more closely. She's what Tom Wilkinson was. Yeah, if uh, she's yeah. a lawyer, yeah, right. Like, uh, and yeah, yeah, just the same character earlier on the timeline. Yep. Uh, perhaps a little bit more open to doing murders, but <laughs> you know, 
You know, when you have Vern's number. Yeah, oh, hey, that's Vern. A good point. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's really, really, really depressing. And, uh, and to to go to what you said, Joe, when we talked about the first episode, and this is our probably our tightest season on themes. Well done, Joe. Is what are we doing? What are we doing? What 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 what? Are we, why are we doing this? And like, yeah. you know, last week we talked about bringing out the dead, and there are reasons. Uh, sure, and there can be yeah. good reasons. These aren't it that's happening. And this is just, this is like I said, to just win and have more money and power. So you can win more and have more money and even more power. This movie is also a great example of how, of just waking up one day and realizing like, well, the, the best years of my life have been spent toiling for nothing or to just, you know at best nothing you know at worst just nefarious legal firms and corporations and it's i think we gotten more insidious starting with one maybe not starting with but it seems like it like starting with when our generation entered the work world like i think like companies have always exploited workers by using kind of like that family idea like hey we're all in this fighting the same battles together you know but i i I think it got ri- especially dark when the tech companies like sort of became the biggest corporations in America. Like, you know, Google, mm-hmm. uh, at, like the whole Google Funhouse like work environment that is just pure cynical uh, effort to get you to work, you know, 14, 15 hours a day, it like, making so- it so you don't have to go home. Yeah. It became so much more paternalistic where it's like, here's a foosball table and, you know, we're going to wear your kick. pajamas. Yeah, you can do some work in a beanbag chair on your laptop. Yeah. We're going to uh, have a keg We'll on give Friday. you three meals a day so you don't have to leave. Yeah. 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 And no, it's, it's, it's all you. I just, you, it's just so poisonous and awful. Like you can, you cannot like let that infect you. And I mean, you know, say say what you will about like, you know, like a coal mine or something about that. Like at least like there there was no they didn't try to dress it up. Like it's like it's like, all right, get the F to work. Just go down and do your stuff. And that's horrible, but at least it wasn't so It was honest just, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the, the, there there was an honest like the adversarial um like battle between worker and management was honest and and yeah. there was open and honest contempt and, and 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 in some cases literal violence between these two groups and obviously that's terrible yeah <laughs> it shouldn't like, have don't... to be that way but at least it's it's transparent and honest and open. yes exactly don't don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining like don't just the whole idea it's like well we don't have health care but you get to bring a dog in I mean, yeah. you guys must work or know people that like, and and Rob, you alluded to this a few minutes ago. Just where like you, you kind of look you, you as you get you know get into middle age, like we are now. Like I don't, I don't think I really noticed this stuff very much when I was in my twenties because you know you're just kind of trying to survive. You try to find your and, footing, and f- find your way, and and you want like and and, and you're you're trying to find community when you're that age. Like you, you kind of have built in community all the way through the end of high school, I guess really through the end of college. Mm-hmm. And then it just seems like, well, the natural next step should be finding community through work. And and I've met great friends through work. Like, yeah. 
uh, you know, where, where I don't even work with them anymore, but I continue to be friends. Absolutely. But like you, you have to get some distance between those two things. And then you see people, you know, people, there's some people I work with or people I know where it's like 100% of like their life's meaning seems to come from work and it makes them uh, miserable. It makes them miserable. And, and it kind of, I think it doesn't, it, it makes them harder to work with. It does bad things to their brain and absolutely makes them harder to work with. Uh, be, because they can't, they can't understand the approach to work of a person who, even a person that like, you know, I care very deeply about my job, even though work sucks, but I also like there's there's a limit to that. There's a right. point where you have to be like I have my own family and my own life. Like I can't. Right. I mean, I, you could still have so pride you in your work. Give, I think right? that's oh, that's like sure, a but healthy thing to have. Uh, yeah, but also, yeah, you have to know you you have to set limits and you have to like you you can't it can't be the most important thing in your life. It just can't. Yeah, and, I mean, to me there's nothing <laughs> I mean, there are sadder things, but like, it's sad when you like see someone that's like a friend or, and you're like, Oh, Hey, how's it going? And you just hear a lot of work things. And you're like, that's not what I asked. Why is that the first thing you went to? It, Cause it's you know? all they think. Of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's no, that's super bleak. You know, like it's one thing when you have sort of a job in common, I guess, cause then you have that natural. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. Know, the connection, I suppose. And even that can get kind of toxic, but but yeah, oh, when, when you're like, well, actually, I was uh, kind of was assuming you talk about like your your husband or your kids or something, but yeah. okay. or anything like I love absurd things. Talk about anything, uh, 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 amuse me with a story, <laughs> like yeah. anything. Don't yeah, just tell, tell me, me about the time. Yeah, I'm you know, feeling kind of embarrassed. My pants ripped open at the grocery store when I dropped a watermelon. Yeah, that's you know? a good like, story. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just I don't. Yeah, it's it sucks, man. Uh, and. But that's the world. That's the world we live in. Like it's so easy for people to be trapped into that. Very easy. And and as you said, if you're if you're when you're in your twenties and you're searching for like it's all you know, and uh, and you know it pays you. You know it pay like I I uh, have always said that like to me work stress is the least stressful amount of work is the least stressful kind of stress you can have because it's the only stress that I get paid for. All the other stress in my life, like, well, I don't, you know, you don't get money for it. You just have to, like, take it on and figure it out. Normally cost you money. Like, work, it's like, yeah, well, I, at least I get paid for the stress. So, automatically, it, to me, it's less stressful than other life stress. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't I'll also do anything important. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, I now, think... Rob, this podcast is very important. That's true. I think it was after I managed people that I really figured out that my entire goal in life was to be paid the most amount of money for the least amount of work. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, you know, it's a, it's a sliding scale for each person, but my supervisor was once saying like, yeah, I suppose you could, you know, I'll be retiring in years or so. And you could have my job. I'm like, no, absolutely not. I don't want to do that. Sounds like a lot of work. You know, we, like we laugh. We laugh at what you said, but I mean, you're not wrong in what you're saying. No, there. I mean, and that's and it's so. You know, I mean, I admire people like 
you know, Joe, I don't think anyone could be a teacher if they didn't have like a passion for it. But I don't think that certainly 90- not good at it. <laughs> I know some I've worked I, with some people that do not. <laughs> I don't think I think that ninety, maybe higher percent of people, at least ninety percent, it's just like, oh, this place is hiring. I'll work here, like, yeah. it, and that's what you do. Yeah, and well, I'm not saying I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying like this whole notion of like, gotta try your best. Like, uh, why? Like I, you know, <laughs> like I. You know, capitalism makes me play this game. I don't have to love it. I, I don't have to give all the extra effort. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been exploiting us our entire lives. So anytime you can find an angle where you can get an edge back on on it, like you got to take it. But yeah. there was a. This reminds me. This isn't a work sucks story. This is a story that happened at a workplace I used to be at before I was there. But there was this this guy who uh, it was <laughs> it was time to like get new. You could get new business cards. You know, and you would yeah. like you would you know you would send an email or whatever to one of the administrative assistants, and they would print out your new business cards. Uh, he just changed his. He just gave himself a senior title. When he <laughs> asked for it, and like it just inertia had happened. Like it just like they're like, well, he's a he's a senior on everything. Like, but he's not. <laughs> and then I think they just eventually gave him the senior title. Dude, that is like a George <laughs> Costanza move, man. I that's that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time i remember like first hearing that story and being younger and being like god that's terrible but now being like no that's, that's incredible awesome. and that, hilarious and good for him yeah oh, that's that, so funny that is how you play the game is <laughs> exactly how you do it oh god that's so funny man oh <laughs> uh, um so do we want to talk about being an attorney and it seems it's you know we talk about how people whose entire jobs or lives are defined by their jobs. I mean that's what being an attorney is like though, right? That's what you it do. Seem, it seems like being a lawyer or an attorney is an awful lot of work, and I wouldn't want to do it. Right, and also like part of it too is any job like that where you have billable hours, like that changes everything, right? Like you, when you're oh. literally billing, you know Man. who the work you're doing to is going to. Let me tell you, my my previous job in the the public sector uh was to put it, it to kind of put a fine point on it uh we had uh, probably like 20 some clients and it was one organization we had to enter our time in six minute increments oh my god to figure out billing for just awful just, uh, terrible i i mean i i guess i get it because we had to figure out where the time was going but uh, but doesn't that just create people just lying? Oh yeah, I mean it was, <laughs> you know, I mean not even li- not so much lying as just like oh I think I spent an hour and a half on this client because you were working you weren't yeah. thinking about it, and then yeah it's just like well, and then it's the whole capitalist thing of like oh well, I took ten minutes to you know go cry in the bathroom does that count <laughs> as billable hours? Yeah, that goes <laughs> to like general admin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then there's the whole thing of like, oh, what counts as billable hours and what's just company time? Oh, it's awful. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. And also, like, another thing I'll add to this, and this is just a pet peeve of mine about work in general, as we're on the work sucks thing. Yeah. Uh, for better or for worse, I've always been very fast at things I do. You can give me something to do, and I can do it very quickly which you know what know that gets you know what that gets you more work yeah gets you yeah. more work and also gets you in some workplaces where 
people love, especially who have like hours you have to track and you put stuff down, love to talk about the people who put in more hours. And part of me is like that. That doesn't mean they did more work. Yeah. They just spent more time doing something like that. That's not even rewarding output. It's just rewarding like how much time did you put into something, which like to me is an insane way to do things when it's like a a, a, a white collar job. You know what I mean? Like, what? Why yeah. don't we just measure me by what I did versus how long I spent doing a thing? Yeah. I don't know. Yep. But that just drives me nuts. The way the ways in which we measure quote unquote success or productivity is insane. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is it's just bad managers who don't want to actually manage and know what the people are doing. So I'm saying, I mean, like, Ed, how yeah. can I find a way to do it? I, so I don't I have don't, to actually know by con- having conversations with my employees. I don't disagree. I just think it's everything. Just yeah. well, it's a control thing too, right? Yes. Like we were talking about this a few weeks ago. Like uh, you have to work in the office. Like we need you here, physically yeah. present. Like that's a control thing. I need you here from nine o'clock to five o'clock in case something happens. Whether you're done with your work at two or not, like you have to be here, and it it's it's a power and control thing. That's literally all it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's I also think a lot of it is just inertia too, right? Like the inertia of like, yeah, work used to be you ch- clocked in at eight o'clock and you did the widgets and then you left at five, and so how yep. can we possibly change from that? Yep, the assembly line turned on, and you punched your paper card, and yeah, and and it made sense for that because just you know America was just building lots and lots of stuff, so you you got your three shifts going at the factory, like yeah, you, you need to work the whole time, but now yep. it's like, um, you know I. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even know what anyone does anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's all just seems so pointless now. Uh, so we got we got so many hits on our post today. Impressions. Way to go, everyone! Uh, Christ, <laughs> it's triggering me. Just subtweeting, Duff. I don't mean that as attack on you. It's just like it's no, it's just not so an different. attack. It's, it's so... just an accurate. Like it sounds like things my boss will say. It's like, oh, this. This post did well, and I'm like, yeah, I mean, it was 20 people arguing about how COVID isn't real, if that's how you define well. <laughs> that is technically engagement. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is, oh God, I get this confused. Please correct me. Tony Gilroy did this movie, right? Mm-hmm. So his whole family is like, does things. Like his father was a Pulitzer Prize winner or something. Yeah, My... He's a playwright, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, who so received a Tony Award and a Pulitzer Prize. Uh, his brother is a screenwriter, and his other brother is an editor. Yeah. So, well, screenwriter and the director too. Like the, both him and and his, I don't know, older or younger brother, they both directed as well. So there's but, Tony, Dan, and John, and they're all in the film industry. Yeah. Okay. So Tony Gilroy did this movie, and I think Joe, you put this up. Is this this is like Tony Gilroy's only great movie? Which I would agree. Yeah. Um, yeah it, it's it's a unicorn. He's and been invo- as a screenwriter. He's been involved in all the Bourne other, movies, other good movies, like like movies that kind of have. I have a soft spot for the Devil's Advocate, so I just want to give him a <laughs> shout for being involved in that script. Uh, okay. uh, that I mean, that movie slaps. I wouldn't yeah. know if I'd call it good, but <laughs> and also Rogue One, he had a he wrote it, but also may have did a lot of the direction we don't really know that's yeah, a weird who, like he yeah, also he also Disney got machine is weird but he got now. sucked into that machine now for the the andor series i think what 
Oh yeah, he is yeah. the writer for that. I think. Yeah. Um. Okay. So God. <laughs> so, but the let's go to the question is, what are some other um, like a one one hit wonder movies that we like a lot that we would consider. For uh, directors, you for, mean? For directors, yeah. yes. So yeah, like like Night of the Hunters, obviously, probably the. I mean, that guy only made one movie. That's, yeah, yeah, so it's like the ultimate. Like it, it is like the Ur one hit wonder thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, so I have one. Okay. okay. Um, mine is uh, Andrew Davis, who you probably don't know by name, but he directed The Fugitive. Oh. And, and, and otherwise directed multiple movies with Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's okay. did, yeah. That's did, a great uh, one. Chain Reaction. Yes. Uh, collateral Damage. So, <laughs> Did he do Under Siege? Uh, he did. He did okay. Under so Siege. So he did two good movies. Uh, Above the Law. <laughs> he, he, was, he was. Code of... Code of Silence with Chuck Norris. He was hired to direct The Running Man, but he got replaced one week into it. Oh, really? Mm, I was just seeing that. That's a great pick. I wasn't thinking uh, that's good. And and yeah. The Fugitive is another, I don't know if uh, Michael Clayton is like this, but that movie is, I mean, good. That's a movie that started without a finished script. Right. Like it's, that, it's like a tighter version of Sandra Bullock's than that. <laughs> I, Jesus Christ, on. man. That got like a, a that made that got a physical rea- like if we would have been on know, YouTube I, like I flinched when you just, just said that bi- bile formed in my stomach. From that. God, dude, that's the most cursed thing you've ever said. I think. Uh, but just yeah, just uh, I, I didn't know that, who, that 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 had a tumultuous production history. I didn't. I guess I, I, didn't I, know I don't much know, about know if it was so much it. tumultuous. It's just I know they started and the script wasn't done, wow. and it was just one of those things that it so it's seems such a like, tight movie. I mean, yeah. I've I don't know who said it. Maybe it was William Goldman. That's just a miracle that any movie has ever made, yet alone <laughs> yeah, is good. Yeah, and that's it, true. it just seems that way. So yeah, that's my pick. That's good. Right. What Rob? do you have, Joe? Oh, you want me to go? Sure. I, I kind of took a different angle with this, okay. and it might piss you guys off. Okay. The question you asked, you took a different angle on the question. Yeah, you but asked. the one okay. I the one cool. I gave you guys. Yep. Well, I don't think I'm. I'm <laughs> I, I I'm in the spirit of no, it. No, I think the question was mine. I, I oh, added okay. the question. All right. Or no, no, no it was me, mine. Sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah. No, it was mine. And I I don't I I I I'm not saying I violated the spirit of it. I just think it's a different angle. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my answer is Ron Howard. Okay. Mm. I I, I it, thought about I, this a lot I, today. I might like this if you're going where I think you are. I I think he's only made. I, I think Apollo 13 is like the yes. only great movie he's made. Yes. Yes. And thank you. And, and has, he even, and has I, he even and, and gotten, has he even gotten to average with anything else? I would be know. willing. I would be willing to revisit Backdraft. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's the, okay. But isn't that the perfect like evidence that I'm right? Because. Rob said I would be willing to revisit, and he could have said seven different movies, That's and true. we would have laughed. You could have said Willow. Yeah. You could have said yeah. Backdraft was a, was a good one. You could have said Ed TV. Yep. You could have said <laughs> uh, Rush. This this is exactly right, and I'm always glad when someone stands for Apollo 13 because uh, I I think that is a great example of what hollywood filmmaking should be 
Yeah. Okay, so my pick, that's a good pick because, you know, okay, I, I the pick I was going to go that was similar, Joe, okay. is the Wachowskis. Oh, Ooh. I don't – this hmm. – this they that made. now that's gonna piss people off. I think I think that's a one hit wonder. I I agree with this take. Yeah, because they, they made suck. one good movie. Everything else <laughs> it just sucks, man. I would be I, I I'd be Bound willing to I've revisit Bound. Bound. I'll revisit Bound. I have not I have not seen Bound, but I've seen like I've seen all those Matrix sequels. Uh, at best, fine. At worst, uh, terrible. Speed Racer, bad. Bad. Cloud <laughs> Atlas, bad. Yeah. Jupiter Sending, I know better. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you're not, you're not <laughs> tricking me again. Yeah. yeah, I'm done. I'm done. So, but my, but the, the, can I, can I all, say all these people are like, oh, you gotta watch Sensei? No, no, I don't. No. Not watching that. No, it, people forgot about that movie already. Last, last For time, sure. the show. Yeah. Listen, last time those guys made a good movie, I was in high school. Yeah, done. <laughs> well, those ladies, those ladies. Sorry, sorry. Um, I don't, I don't mean to dead main. Uh, but yeah, they suck. Yeah, they're. That are I just yep. So, uh, the can I would, say an obvious be bad if they weren't incredibly pretentious? Can I say an obvious one that I'm surprised no one said, and then one that I just want to throw it out because I don't know if anyone knows the story on. Okay, um, sure. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I thought was one one of us would say. Um, Gondry. Yeah, because Be Kind Rewind and Science of Sleep and The Green Hornet are not great movies. God, he did The Green Hornet. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's. I feel like it's always weird when you know, like he's French, isn't he? And he yeah. did. God. Yeah. He. I. I don't. Doesn't have a lot of masterpieces in his resume. So the. Uh, the other one I want to bring up, which I didn't know about till I started doing research on this, is the director of Boys Don't Cry. Kimberly Pierce. That name sounds familiar, maybe just because of Boys Don't Cry. Right. So she did that, and then she didn't do another movie until a movie called Stop Loss in 2008 with Ryan Phillippe and Joseph Gordon Lovett. Chan- I've never even heard of this movie. Your Dude, names are just so great. Ryan Phillippe. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, and in 2013, she did the remake of Carrie. Oh. But, so- like, what happened? Yeah, that that's that. So that those are the kinds of answers I was I was like kind of had in mind when I first came up with the question. And then this is a great answer, and I just couldn't think of. Yeah, I thought that, of a few other examples like this, but didn't think they'd be all that interesting to talk about. So that that's what's great about one hit wonder stories. It's like, well, what? Yeah, what happened? And in the in the movie industry, well, music industry too. It's it's like probably something bad and sexist and well, especially <laughs> right, yeah. especially if boys don't cry. It's, it's a woman. I think she's a. I think. Yeah. Um, I think she, uh, uh, lesbian woman. Like, I'm just like, listen, 1999. I don't feel like Hollywood's handling this the way they should. Probably not. So, I, I, I don't know. That that's. What, uh, I just thought of one. What is the? Who's the crazy dude who did American History X? Oh yeah. Oh. See, yeah. Is that movie actually good? I don't. Tony K. Uh, that dude's nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Uh, it's inter- it's an interesting question. I mean, it's even like a. It would be a uh, interesting season idea to like choose some of these and try to like figure out like what happened, what happened to this person. All right, work sucks. Yeah, we're gonna tell some stories. Um, who wants to start? 
mine isn't so much a story so much as it's a a complaint okay. about uh the government uh <laughs> And it's more, I feel like Joe might be able to sympathize with this, is there is this thing that happens when you, you know, kind of reach the top levels of whatever government, municipal, state, whatever, where you just kind of imagine that everyone working there, that their lifelong goal was, you know, they had this noble goal of like, I'm going to be whatever, you know, entry-level office job and people just just their brains just get smoothed and bleached and <laughs> and just the way that just the way that they talk is you know it's just kind of like do you realize that 90 percent of people here just like depending on when they got the job like open the want ads or went online and be like oh i need a job what place is hiring and what pays well oh hey this looks good and i just i know it's not just government but it's it's so annoying to me that everyone just assumes that people decided to do this work because of some noble cause and that's not how capitalism is set up Mm. like that's that's not the reason that the vast majority of people do things. And, and it also, you know, it starts to come off in, uh, it gets into what we've been talking about earlier, this whole like, oh, we're a family and got to do it for the organization. And if you're in government, it's like, oh, do it for the citizens, which obviously like they are the people who pay you. But it's like, well, to an extent, but uh, really, uh, I'm here because of the pay and the benefits, and that's all. Mm. Like, it, and it, so it's not a, a work sucks story, just something that lately has been ultra depressing to me. About we've talked about managers and bosses, and how once you become one of those people, it just a, a parasite burrows into your brain and makes you think in ways that no natural human should that's fair joe do you have one yeah i think i mine is more of just a phenomenon but like that there's certain types of jobs where that pressure to put work first is self-applied and 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 this like duff talked earlier about how his dream is just to make as much money as possible doing the least amount of work possible right Mm mm-hmm and can I interest you in an NFT, Duff? <laughs> nah, not anymore. <laughs> yeah, not now. Um, so for me, when I sort of think, like, you know, what if I did something else? Like, for me, it's what a, a job where when you walk out of the building, you can't work. Mm. Like, like for me, there, there's literally always something I could be doing. Sure. I could always be lesson planning. I could always be grading something. I could all like. There's always something to do. Yeah. So there, I I have never gone home from work. Oh, I shouldn't say never, maybe, but I I rarely, rarely, rarely go home from work without having something on my mind that I'm supposed to, that I need to get done. And and then there there are other jobs where it's like your shift ends, and it's just over. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's like the dread of like, I have to go back there tomorrow, but there's nothing to worry about. And uh, like that, 
idea is unbelievably appealing to me. And, but I wonder if maybe I actually do have a job like that, but my, like, just the way my brain works, I can't think that way. I, I don't really know. I don't know how other people feel. I, I would imagine it's similar for me. Um, but yeah, that, that's, so I think like, fortunately where I work, there's implicit pressure, like to do a lot of extra stuff, I guess. But for most of it is just the nature of my job. It's just like every minute I'm at home, like there's some part of my brain, some like little anxious voice saying like, you're supposed, you should be doing this right now. And it sucks. And that's a really depressing story that, that I'm saying it out loud. Yeah. You guys uh, are great. Neither of you brought a story. Um, but I have one. I, I don't like, I just don't, uh, <laughs> work, work just sucks so much that it's all just becoming like general themes. Like, yeah, it's just, like, I, I, I wrote it, uh, and it's a, I think a good like suggestion for a work sucks story, but like, I, I've been thinking about it all day and just uh, all of it is just so bleak. All right. Well, here's my story. And I, um, I ignored. Is this, this. going to involve reverse cowgirling something? Listen, I, I, you know, we record these ahead, so I don't know how, uh, re- how well received toilet story was that we did last week, but I have to think it went well with the listeners. So uh, you know, you, you like most great bands, you know, you make music for yourselves, and maybe yeah. people will like it. So I have another uh, commode-related story. All right, that I've decided to call the shape of water closet. Oh no! <laughs> so this is nothing to do with the. Uh, it took place at work. Has nothing to do with the themes that we talked about, but it, it, I think people will enjoy it. So uh, uh, for a while, I worked in an office where uh, we were on like a floor, and on the floor we were at, there was probably fifteen to twenty people that worked on that floor, and there was one genderless bathroom that you could go to that was on that floor i don't and like it, that and I, it I, was, I, I don't it's not that i don't like the idea of genderless bathrooms right no like, no I obviously know. you need to have those absolutely but but i i would also ah am i did i, I canceled now but i i would also just like <laughs> i also would like actually i don't care if they're gender free there needs to be multi there needs to be more than one bathroom then. that's the important part okay so here's the thing. The way this bathroom was is it was kind of like a long, skinny bathroom. So you would open this door, and the, the door would lock, and then there was I'm kinda... thinking of like like when Willy Wonka's taking them into his factory. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I have in my mind. It was just sort of like a, like a longer, like you'd shut the door and lock it. I guess my point is, is there was quite a bit of space between where the door was and then when you actually got to the toilet. And where the okay. sink was. So, like, it was like you had to worry about people listening to you through the door or whatever. You weren't that close. But, obviously, in that situation, you – at least – I don't think I'm crazy in this. You don't mud pie in that toilet. <laughs> Jesus. You don't. You if, – if you have to mud pie, you would go down to the first floor, and there was, like, a, a connecting hallway that connected it to another building that had, like, regular bathrooms that had stalls and stuff. You just go there and – Sometimes being anonymous is more important than privacy. Mm-hmm. I would argue, and this would be well. One. Wait, the, oh, I see what you mean by that. Right, and, you can't. And plus, like uh, well, the door to the ba- the initial bathroom you were describing. Right. How close was the nearest like work, like workspace to that door? So like there was like uh you open up these big doors and there was like twenty cubicles like in lines of like probably f- 
you know, four lines of five. So was I, there like a cubicle like within like 10 feet of that door? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then you got to go downstairs. Absolutely. Now, if you got you got tinkle, go use that toilet. That's fine. <laughs> but if tinkle. it's if it's if the clock strikes mud pie, you got to go somewhere else. <laughs> OK, yeah. so uh, we, we had hired someone. You know, and you never know when you hire someone if they're going to be good or bad. There's no way to know. Uh, and, and whatever. And they, they, they would work. And then sometimes this person would just disappear for, like, large amounts of time. Where you'd be like, oh, where, where's he at? I don't know. I haven't seen him. And then you start to realize that he's using that, that, that bathroom because you'd go to – you know, you could eventually figure it out when, like, door's locked and then – Eventually, sure. you know, that person walks out, and it keeps happening more and more. Yep. So. Oh, no. We started trying to keep track. How long was he in there for? Now, how long would you – and listen, um, let's be liberal with this. How long is too long? How long would you be like, you can't go use the bathroom for to that To notice? Uh, so, I – yeah, like okay, so you're saying like, how? What's the cutoff point where it's go switches from like I am using the bathroom to, to I am being rude? Yes. Um. Hmm. It's somewhere between five and ten minutes. Okay. I I was gonna be generous and say fifteen. I would go fifteen. This person. Uh, ten minutes in a bathroom is a long, long. It depends on how long again, it takes again, to solve that Sudoku. I, Again, with you can, with but without without knowing the exact distances. Again, I'm being generous okay. and saying 15. Let me tell you, this person would go in there routinely for 35 to 60 minutes at a time. What? Yeah. That we that's... were pretty certain that he must have just been going in there and watching and episodes of TV on his phone. No napping for sure. You think, I think napping? It's a nap. I. I we know someone who used to do this. <laughs> Not in the I don't bathroom. Know if we could say who it is. Oh yeah, okay. Well, uh, but like they used to go into their workplace and just lean against the wall of the stall <laughs> and and take naps during their shift. <laughs> yeah. So this 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 person my, would. So my only accept the only acceptable thing is if they had uh, Crohn's disease or something. Right. Because I because I know that takes a. Uh, quite a bit of time right but uh, once again in that situation you can't go to the toilet that's right by all the offices the one that people can go and quickly pee at without having to walk down a flight of stairs and across like a hallway into another building like you you Mm -hmm. know what i mean that you can't do that yeah i agree so yeah i'm pretty sure maybe he was napping but because the episode it seemed to always line up with episode times makes me think he was just watching TV. Like he was like, "Oh, the new Game of Thrones is out. I'm gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go in the <laughs> like, stall." Were you ever tempted to like put your ear up against the door and see if you could like hear dialogue? Well, I mean, I'm assuming if you're doing it, you got to be plugging head. You got to be bringing headphones in and putting those in your ears. I mean, if you're ballsy enough to just leave for an hour, like <laughs> you're ball, you're ballsy enough to just crank up the volume while you're in the stall yeah i don't you could never hear anything like i said it was a long how, hallway that it would kind of go into it like it was how it was, hard would you have laughed if you one day you walked by the door and you heard the game of thrones theme song i mean i it was i mean and it, it was one of those things that like you know we were all a little all of us were little sleuths 
You know, it was like, oh, he sure is gone. Now what's going on? Oh, he's using the bathroom. What's weird? God, he's in there for a long time. And then it would become a thing where some one of us would set a timer when he walked in. There'd be little chats around everywhere, you know, and we'd send little 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 messages to everyone like, he's been in there for 28 minutes. <laughs> Here, and then 40 minutes. <laughs> here's here's the great thing, though. is And number one, I would absolutely have done the same thing. Uh, but, but you, the, the great thing is that you are wasting just as much time oh, as this yeah. person. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But somehow, like, this person is in the wrong. But meanwhile, like, uh, you know, you and other people are just, uh, that's all you're focused <laughs> the on. The difference is, in my mind, I don't care. I, I'm not, I'm not like a snitch. I'm more, I'm more like, just oh, fascinated. Oh, this person's not working. It's, if he would have just disappeared for an hour, I think yeah. I'd have less of an issue. But you can't use that bathroom and take that too. Yeah, that's that's just rude. Yeah, that's rude. That's rude. Uh, so I, uh, to make up for not actually having a story, uh, it's not so much a story, but uh, and Rob, you like this because it's bathroom related. I oh, have, perfect. I have I have a bathroom related mystery. Okay. At at my current work. Okay. Uh, so there is a. Uh, uh, a restroom on the second floor and this is a uh, it's called civic plaza so it's open to the public and uh staff so if you go into the stall it's, uh, it's a good sized stall uh because it's uh accessible mm-hmm. uh but there is a uh some type of like a, a drain in the floor that's covered up with like a little vent like a and it's screwed in okay I- inside this vent there is a piece of paper that is folded in half. I do not know what it is. You know what it is? I bet you if you open it up, I can tell you what it says. A, a free podcast.com. <laughs> this, this piece of paper. Well, that should be in the toilet. It, 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 I've worked at, you know, I've been with this place for nine years. It's been there the entire time. Oh, haven't you just reach in there and find out? No, you can't just reach in. You need a you need a screwdriver. You can bring a screwdriver in in your pocket. Well, that's 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 what I'm saying. Like one, like like every time uh, I go for a mud pie, as you say, <laughs> is I stare and it looks like it's maybe two two pieces of paper folded up, and I'm like, what what is in there? And like it never, you know, it must not have gotten wet. But the it's it's a mystery, and one of the I'm gonna have to solve it. Yeah, you got to find out. You got to find out. I but hope yeah, it's you... your name in the day's date that you grab it. <laughs> Ooh, that's, a, that's a that's a Twilight episode, Twilight oh, Zone episode. That's there. a good short film that you just. Uh, what if it's like the day it just tells me when I'm gonna die? <laughs> Which is the same uh, thing I just said. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> God, that's funny. Uh, okay, work sucks. We we, we did it. We yeah. gave the listeners what they wanted. And and here's here's my promise. Uh-huh. If work ever stops sucking, mm-hmm. we will do a season about how work rules. Yeah. I don't see that happening. We take turns choosing our seasons, crafting mm-hmm. them. This this season has been brought to you by Joe. It's been incredible. The season before was brought to you by Duff on uh, going online. I heard a lot of rave reviews from listeners about that. People people are saying. Yep. People are, people, people are, love to log on. People love to write messages on pieces of paper and shove them into little work drains. Shove them into a grate <laughs> in a bathroom that's only accessible with a screwdriver. And why would you do that? Yeah, if you like our show, don't review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. 
just write it on a piece of paper and shove it into a vent somewhere at work about <laughs> <laughs> for someone to find it. Um, so it's up to me to choose the next season. And I don't know. That's my answer. I don't know. Going on vacation. The summer is here. I'm going to I'm gonna have a think about it. But I think in the meantime this summer, I know we've discussed uh, offline a couple ideas for little one-off bonus episodes. That's what yeah, I let's, promise. Let's clean out the, the – let's clean things out. Yeah. Let's have a little, you know – little ideas little some draft ideas we've thrown around some just general discussions i think uh the summer would be a good time to to kind of put those out there for people and then so we're all ready for when the fall comes to to have some incredible season crafted that i created such as ron howard (laughs) ron (laughs) howard season (laughs) god remember these five ron howard movies i'd rather do a season about his brother (laughs) yeah uh we're not doing a ron howard season but we'll see uh otherwise until now you can go to um patreon.com slash the midnight boys we have an absolute ton of episodes on there including uh we did one on on top gun guys that's the most recent one as of recording but there'll be another one so yeah if you're bored and you're like oh rob i need more things go to the go to freepodcast.com check out the episode archive there's a ton of stuff there you can uh, maybe check out a season that you don't remember i mean guys remember our first season was fail sons and that was in 2018 that's how long ago it was yeah it was a long time ago so uh we've been putting stuff out doing the content that was before the world got worse and then it just keeps getting worse it was when it was less worse yeah it it was pretty bad it was bad then though that's true it's a good point it was just it was just less worse um all right well listen listen it gets worse before it gets worse yes (laughs) true but we're here work may suck but we give you content that you can listen to uh so we can help you get through that day and we have we have not raised our prices for the Patreon tiers because of Bidenflation. Oh, yeah, we're not doing it. It's costing us more and more to drive to work, but it doesn't matter. Prices are staying the same. All right, we got we to gotta wrap it up. It's been a great season, and uh, you know we'll be back soon with some, uh, some one-off bonus episodes for the listeners. 